can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work, determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. And welcome to Hiya! <laughs> the only podcast that knows what you did last summer. By the way, what the Frankenstein were you thinking trying to sell herbal tea and wushu videos at a Dog Brothers gathering in Detroit? No, we don't want to see the slides. Episode 22, recorded October, almost Halloween, starts now. All right, folks. This is going to be a bit different from our usual methodology, but it's Halloween, so we can get away with that, right? Uh, we uh, recorded an awesome interview with uh, Randy Williams, Sifu Randy Williams of Wing Chun fame, and uh, we were having so much fun, and it ran so long, and we were so smashed by the end of it that we didn't manage to get back into the studio to record our bumpers. But, just so you know what you're about to get into, the interviewers are myself, Dave Bones Jones, the uh, near-legendary Bruce Moose writer, and of course, Craig Killer Keesling. Um, <laughs> and we had such a great time doing this. Uh, I also want to warn you before we get in there, don't play this one in front of the kitties, okay? Uh, the spit flies, and so do the, uh, the dirty words. So, you know, I know most of our listeners aren't offended by that, but if you are, fair warning. Before you enter our humorous house of Halloween-haunted uh, horror. Okay, I'm overdoing it, aren't I? Screw this, I'm off to the champagne lounge to drink a bucket of chum, and I'll check back in with you people after the interview. And the bottles are open and our mouths are running. We've got Sifu Randy Williams here, also known as Sif to his friends. Say hi out to everybody. Yo, hi everyone. <laughs> also hi-ya. in the room, we've got Bruce Ryder and Craig Keesling. And uh Hiya, Bruce. Hiya. There we go. Alright, so uh we've already been chatting a little bit before we got things cranked up here, but let's let's go right back to the beginning because it's kind of pat, but everybody we get on the show, I like to ask them, you know, when they were when they were young and they first got the inkling to do martial arts or Kung Fu or whatever, what got, what bit you, what kind of bug bit you to get into this stuff? Uh, well, it's a long story. Um, actually I was always pretty interested in martial arts because my father, um, was interested in martial arts and did, did quite a bit of, uh, but the, the thing is, I don't know what art he did. My father died in the Vietnam war, but prior to having left the, the, uh, 
thing that he used to do where other kids would be out throwing baseballs and stuff with their dad. My dad liked to kick and punch and do some kind of martial art, which I never quite knew what it was. Right. Cool. And by the time I was old enough to, to start training, um, he was gone and my mom didn't really want me to do it. So she only allowed me to start training in martial arts when he passed away. Cause she knew that's something he would have wanted me to do. The connection. Yeah. That's cool. You know, and that's what, what motivated me. Now, how I ended up, I mean, I, I grew up in LA Chinatown. And, well, that's not true. I never actually grew up. But I was born, <laughs> born in LA Chinatown. And, Welcome to the club. <laughs> and uh, I figured, uh, you know, so having been born in LA Chinatown, you know, I had this unique opportunity. Um, my, one of my next door neighbors was the late, great Ted Wong, who was my wow. Jeet Kune Do instructor. And uh, my other neighbor was George Yao Chu, who was my <laughs> Wing Chun instructor, my first Wing Chun instructor. And so um, what what happened was I, I had an interest in martial arts and I would be out in my garage beating on a bag and doing whatever moves I could do. And, and yet um, I didn't have a teacher. So there was this guy that used to walk past my house every day on his way to work because my neighbor and he was a cook in a, a restaurant in Chinatown. And unbeknownst to me, was a was a Wing Chun instructor. Hmm. Now down down the street from me, literally the distance from my house now to the barn um, was Bruce Lee's school. Bruce Lee had a, a Jeet Kune Do school, which, yeah, which right. was private, but all us kids in the neighborhood knew about it. And, and who's I this was guy Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, yeah, yeah. Who's uh, is he? Like a a northern traditionalist or? He's he's a relation to Bruce. Uh, I think he's a relation to Bruce Ryder. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Good. Okay. You you sniffed out Craig being a dick right off the bat. Bruce <laughs> Kundo. Yeah, there you go. So uh, you know, I you, I totally forgot what I was saying, but it had something to do with Bruce. Lee. Well, it was but, a classic story you were telling us there. I mean, this is the ultimate uh, already. It's the ultimate like martial arts coming of age story. You got Bruce Lee teaching down the street. The, Ted the Chinese cook. You know, right. spot well, you practicing. Bruce, Bruce Lee had a school in my neighborhood, and to, you know, diverge a little bit, um, Bruce had a school in in Chinatown at, at Yale Street, um, at College Street, you know, which you guys have probably heard about the College Street Gym 628. Mm -hmm. Well, it was literally, you know, I could throw a rock and hit the school from where I was born and raised. Wow. So I would always see these guys coming and going, and us kids would go and, you know, peek through the window until <laughs> Bruce soaked up the glass. But until then, we would peek through the window and watch him train. <laughs> And he didn't like us, you know, doing that. In fact, everybody talks about, oh, Bruce Lee was such a terrific guy around kids and all that. You know, maybe, but he used to, tell us, he used to you know, shoo us away and tell us, get out of here, you little rats. And you know, he didn't like us looking. But um, so I, I was interested, you know, already from my dad. And I had this desire to train because Bruce Lee was right there. And Ted Wong was my neighbor. And I would go pull on his jacket. Would you teach me? Would you teach me? And he used to say, no, 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 I'm no good. You know, I don't teach. And uh, later on, well, that's a whole other story, but how I ended up hooking up with him years and years later. But uh, so I couldn't train with Bruce, but I would be out in my garage training. And this guy that would walk by one day, he stopped and basically pantomimed to me, you know, how about, um, you know, throw some punches at me. Mm. And I was like, uh, you know, I don't want to hurt you, you know. <laughs> and uh, he says, no, 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 you know, give me some punches. And so I threw a punch at him. And he did what I now recognize to be lop, bong, lop, punch, and pulled me into a fist. So I'm looking at that. Look right. at his fist right in your face. Said, wow. So he, he goes, he has to do that. Do that. And he says, here, give me two. So I throw two punches at him and he does. And the next thing I'm looking at, 
fingers, fingers in my eyes. eyes. <laughs> and I said, holy shit, teach me that, teach me that. Yeah. Right. He says, oh, you know, no, no, no. I got one. At the time, I couldn't speak Chinese. And I got one of my neighbors. I said, here, you got to tell this dude I want to learn from him. And the guy talked to him. And uh, George Yao said to the guy, no, no I don't want to teach. I don't want to teach him. And, you know, I was like, well, why not? Why not? And he said, well, you know, I, I hate to say this because it, it sounds bad, but you got to remember this was 40 years ago. Um, he said, well, you're not Chinese. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I said, well, I'm part Chinese. Does that count? <laughs> and he said, can you prove it? And I said, yeah, we'll go upstairs and talk to my mom right now. <laughs> so went upstairs, you know, his interpreter and everything else. My mom said, yeah, he's quarter Chinese. So Sif said, my Sifu said, all right, I'll teach you under the conditions that you learn Chinese. There you go. And, and I said, well, I'll do whatever I have to do, you know. So he said, if you learn Chinese, then I'll teach you. So how did you learn Chinese? Well, here's what I did. I, I, went, in, I went to a night school. Got to remember, at the time, I was just 13. Uh-huh. So I, I enrolled in an adult night school in Chinatown at the park, not too far from my house. And I started to learn Chinese. Now, my teacher told me, don't learn Cantonese. He said, that's what I speak, but it'll be useless to you in the future. This was 40. <laughs> wow. Wow. Said, and you're talking about Wing Chun and not he Cantonese. Said, Cantonese will be useless to you in the future. Learn Mandarin. It'll do you good in your life and your business life. Mm. And, and he was right because there's a whole other story there. Because uh, I ended up living in Singapore because of it, which what? I know, uh, I, yep, I know Greg did, right? Yeah, Craig, yeah. yeah. So, so sorry, Craig. So we got we've got something in common there too. Indeed. But anyway, getting back, see, I'm all over the place, you know. I'm, hey, I'm just like, roll with it. We got time, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like horseshit after a parade. I'm everywhere. <laughs> so, so uh, anyway, um, back to 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 George Al, um, I had to learn Chinese, so I went to to night school. And I learned, you know, basically like the days of the week, the time of the day, right. um, you know, Monday through Friday. Uh, I learned things like, uh, you know, real basic stuff. He, she, it, mister, <laughs> all that stuff that you need. And then what I did was I specifically asked my teacher to teach me the following phrase, Master Yao, I'm ready to begin my Wing Chun studies. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I practiced that sentence daily along with everything else. So finally, uh, you know, I come to the point where I felt like I had a decent grasp on just, you know, days of the week and things like that. And I go to his house. I knock, the, knock on the door. He opens the door and he goes, oh, it's you. And I said, Master Yao, I'm ready to begin my Wing Chun studies. In nice. pretty good Chinese, I would venture to say. Right. <laughs> and he goes, oh, my. He goes, Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I go, yes, sir. <laughs> Holy. So, in other words, blah, 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 blah. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> he goes, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I understand, sir. Oh, no. Oh, said, no. Okay. Monday, 3 o'clock. <laughs> you heard clean my floor. <laughs> you knew those Mondays. words. Yeah. That was it. And that's where it started. Nice. And what happened was he would talk to me in Mandarin and I would get only so much of it. So it started out, you know, my first lessons with them as a, you know, 12, just about 13 year old kid. My first lessons with them were things like, you know, blah, 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 fist, da, 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 da kick, <laughs> blah, 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 step. And then it became more step twice, then grab, then blah, 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 then kick. And Eventually, it came to the point where, you know, I communicated with him 
pretty well. And I'm sure I missed a whole bunch, you know, of, of his message in, in, in the process. But I'm also quite sure he wasn't stupid enough to think that I fully understood what he was saying anyway. Right. And he did go out of his way to make things clear to me. And so, you know, that was a, you know, really, really fortunate thing for me to have met, you know, such a person and what a teacher he ended up being. He sounds like it, not just uh, teaching, you know, basic Kung Fu stuff to you, but I mean, the whole bringing you up into the culture, into the world, into just being a man, everything else, it sounds like. Completely, completely. I mean, just a father figure when I didn't have a father and everything else, a hero, uh, an uncle, uh, you know, benefactor. I all rolled into a te- you know, an, an instructor in life, you know, not just awesome. not just fighting, but but everything you could ask for from a sifu and, you know, awesome guy. And uh, I've lost touch with him now. I lost tr- track of him. And in, in, uh, back in 1988 was the last time I saw him. He went back to China. Oh, and man. back then we didn't have, you know, like we have now. I've tried Googling him and I'm sure that I'll eventually hook up with him again. But I have lost track of him. Are you, That'll are you be a rel- good reunion. Yeah. Are you relatively sure he's still living? Uh, how old would he be now? Yeah. Yeah. He would be just 70 now. Oh, okay. Okay. He'd probably be 70. And, and I have no reason to think that he wouldn't be alive today. Hmm. Um, you know, I just recently, by total chance, in Mexico City a few months ago, I was doing a seminar and I happened to run into one of his very best friends in the world, who's a, a, a Kung Fu master you may or may not have heard of. His name is Chu Chi Ling. Of course. And he's <laughs> yeah, the grandmaster of Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah. So he's an old friend of mine. He's all Back, over the world these days. Right, right. Well, listen, when he first came to America, he needed a place to stay. He knew nobody. He calls George Yao, my Sifu, and guess what? Sifu brings Chu Chi Ling to my house and says, oh, this is my friend. He's going to stay with you for a month. Wow. I said, oh, you know, that's fine. Yeah. You know, and I took him around Disneyland, anywhere he wanted to eat, <laughs> shopping, any anyone anything he wanted to see, I took him up to meet um, an old friend of his was Buck Sam Kong. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> we looked up we looked up Buck Sam Kong. We okay. had uh, we had cocktails at the uh, Yamashiro, which is this big Japanese palace up on the Hollywood Hills, and we met up with Buck Sam Kong and heard uh, a bunch of crazy stories about when he used to bodyguard Elvis and all the crazy shit they used to do. Mm-hmm. Right, and had all, but I had no idea now that Chu Chi Ling was Kung Fu royalty. Oh wow. I had no idea until my first trip to Hong Kong many years later oh. when he picked me up from the airport and took me to meet his dad, who turned out to be Chu Gao, the right. then grandmaster of, of Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Chu Chi Ling now is the grandmaster. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any of that in, until I got to Hong Kong and, and met up with them and found out who they all were. And <laughs> He's of just course, a cool Chinese cat to you. <laughs> yeah, he was a real cool guy and good friend. And so I, I lose track of Chu Chi Ling 25 years ago. And we both happened to be stopping through this little rinky-dink Mickey Mouse Gong Fu school in the middle of Mexico City at the same time. <laughs> we with each other a couple months ago, and he gave me the lowdown. He said he hadn't seen my instructor since he went back to China, but he thought he might be able to get a hold of him through his brother, Tony, wow, and that nice. he promised to try and run him down for me. So there is hope that I could reunite with uh, my Seif. Sweet. That would be cool. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I hope that happens soon. Absolutely. It's a magical little kung fu story. It's a small world, yeah. So it's it's pretty easy to just. Yeah, you can still hide somebody in China, though. (laughs) It's a little bit big, and you still get lost in China. Yeah, you know, and they're they're hooked up with the internet and everything. But with the difference between Chinese characters and 
in um, you know English. He yeah. may be all over the internet, mm-hmm. but I but when I Google him, I, I can't find him. Yeah. You know, and I do write Chinese and everything, but I'm not I'm not that savvy to be able to break the internet and figure out how to look up somebody right. that way. But it's it's going to happen. I'm quite confident. There's a reason why I ran into Chu Chi Ling when I did. Yeah, you know, there's a reason, and and I think that's it. So yeah. I, I'd I'd love to see him again. I hope he'd be proud of me um, for whatever whatever I've done. That, I'm that's sure been he good, would. Which is yeah, relatively little, but. Um, that which I have done for Wing Chun and with Wing Chun, I would hope he, he would be pretty proud and, and everything. So I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him again and, you know, share share all that stuff with him. Yeah, there's a lot to yeah. be proud of there. Yeah, I think yeah. he'll be quite pleased. I mean, just talking already, just the names you're bringing up and, and, and talking to you, it's like all the karate and kung fu magazines of the 80s are just coming flooding back into my mind, you know, <laughs> you know in the 90s and on. Yeah, it's, these are all just huge names. Well, you guys know how there's you get all these detractors on the internet. People will, you know, cut you down, insult you, and everything. Never very well. Oh yeah, it's not I, for kung fu people. No, <laughs> you know, I've heard you guys talk about it, but you know, I and I and believe me, I've got my share of detractors, probably more than than most. Right. There, there's loads of people out there. All you got to do is Google my name. There's loads of people out there that absolutely hate my fucking guts, and I really <laughs> not sure why because. I don't do anything to anybody to, right. to cause them to hate me. I, I don't. I don't do anything. I don't, you know. I believe I really, if everybody likes you, you're boring anyway. So, you know. And, that and means I, you're I, a very interesting man right there. You know, I don't, I don't want everybody to like me. But the fact is there's loads of people that just absolutely fucking hate me for, for no good reason that I, could th- that I know of. Right. You Rogan. get these guys, you know, these detractors. And one of the things that they love to, um, to shoot at me with is, is my story about how I met my teacher. Because they, they, they're like, oh, this guy lives in a fantasy world of kung fu dreams and, you know, movies. and it, You know, dude, um, I lived that shit before they made kung fu movies for people yeah. that spoke English. You right. know? Exactly. I, I was, I, we're talking 40 fucking years ago. Right. Yeah. So, and, and I did all that 40 years ago before there were, before there were Karate Kid movies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the thing is, there were probably 500 kids living in that neighborhood. There's bound to be one of them that wants to do Kung Fu and catches somebody's attention, you know? Thank you. And, yeah. and, you know, that's my life. My life has been crazy like that. I mean, when I was 17, I worked for Bruce Lee's wife, Linda Lee. And <laughs> well, Craig just got excited. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you do for, for Linda Lee? I didn't know you worked with her. Here, here, you know, and again, this sounds like a fantasy story but it's absolutely true i assure you when i was about i think i was about 16 at the time there was a guy advertising um in in the magazines that he had bruce lee film super eight film and he would um sorry my dog seemed to be going crazy about that's all right mine heard him i think and is barking too now now i can tell you this guy that was advertising um could somebody like get the dogs out (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Why don't you guys push the dogs outside, please? Who let the dogs out? So, I, I think Bruce <laughs> did, actually. <laughs> so um, so anyway, uh, there was this guy, and his name, I still remember his name. He was in Florida, and his name was Elston Ransom. That's <laughs> a proper southern name, yeah. Elston Ransom, and he was advertising that he was selling these Bruce Lee Super 8 videos. Right. Because that's what we had back then. You had Super 8, and you had 16 millimeter. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like today where you can go out and buy a, a video of anything you want. Right. So or illegally I, download it. <laughs> you know, so I wanted it. And um, what I did was I got uh, I got my mom to write a check because I wasn't old enough, you know, to have a bank account. So my mom wrote a check to this guy. And, of course, it got cashed. 
and I didn't get any any tape or any uh, film in the in the mail for months. And I kept hounding this guy, hounding him. I called information. I got his phone number, and I kept hounding him. Where's my film? Where's my film? Where's my film? And the guy would not send it. So what happened was, um, you know, my mother was a legal secretary, worked for an attorney. So she says to me, you know, this guy should be sued for what he's doing. And she said, you know, Bruce Lee probably had an attorney somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so so she said to me, what you should do is find out if Bruce Lee had an attorney. Well, the the book had just come out. Linda Lee wrote The Man Only I Knew, which was like a story of her life with Bruce. Mm -hmm. And in this book is mentioned the name of one Adrian Marshall attorney who was Bruce Lee's attorney. So I gave my mom the name Adrian Marshall. She went to the American Bar Association, uh, whatever, their, their records, and she got me Adrian Marshall's contact info. Nice. Well, so I call Adrian Marshall, and uh, I talked to his, his uh, secretary, and I told her my story. And she says, you know, Mr. Marshall would find this interesting. So she says, let me take your number. A couple days later, I get a call from Adrian Marshall, who had a really distinctive voice, real distinguished and very cool voice. And he calls me and he says, you know, I'd like you to come to my office in Century City in the Twin Towers. And he says, I'd like you to bring, you know, bring me some information about this guy and and everything in your canceled check. He says, because, you know, Linda Lee is very concerned with all these people that are ripping off Bruce Lee's image. Right. They're they're doing all kinds of things and they're, they're not paying us royalty. So I said, well, Mr. Marshall, I live in Chinatown, man. You should see all the stuff that's for sale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Punching puppets, posters, yeah. keys, nunchucks, you, you name it. Yeah. And he goes, you got what? I said, oh, yeah, there's all this stuff. So he says, listen, you need to come to my office, okay? He says, can you come down next Thursday at such and such? And I said, well, I got school, but I'll ask my mom. So he says, you, you be here. You tell your mom to call me if there's a problem. So I told my mom and she says, oh, yeah, I'll let you go. And I had to take a, like three buses to get to Century City. Uh-huh. You know, I'm just a kid. And I go to Century City. All right. I dressed up. You know, I got all squeaked up. <laughs> I go up the elevator, you know, to the hundredth floor or whatever the hell floor it is. And uh, I go in to the office and the secretary says, oh, you must be Randy. And I said, oh, oh yeah, uh, I'm here to see Mr. Marshall. She says, well, he's with the client right now. Go right in. <laughs> so now... You know, I've been I've been raised around legal the legal secretary and uh, and, and att- attorneys because my mom's a legal secretary, so I know you don't go in there when an attorney's with his client. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Oh well, no, I'll just wait." She says, "No, no, I think you want to go in." Probably Bruce. He wants you in there. I said, "Well, you know, okay." So I go walking in, and he's got this huge office, and you can see like all of Century, all of Los Angeles, huge panorama, and he's sitting behind this big oak desk off to one side. One of his whole walls behind him is one of those maps of the world with clocks all over it. (laughs) And on the other complete other side of the room, which was a huge room, like the size of a gym, Hmm. on the other side is a couch. And there's a blonde haired lady sitting on the couch. And she says, hi, Randy, come on and sit down. So I walk in and it's fucking Linda Lee. (laughs) And and she's like, "Uh, Mr. Marsh or Adrian has told me all the things that, that you had to say. And I'm really interested in meeting you. So she says, I want to talk to you about some stuff. But first, I want to give you something. She says, this is something that I think you've, deserved, you've earned. And I said, well, I've earned it. She says, yeah. He told me what, what, you, what you're doing and, and how you're helping us. And she says, I, I, I'm going to ask you to help, help us yet more. Hmm. She said, so 
I want to give you something that I think you deserve. And she brings out this copy of a book that now you can get anywhere. But at the time, the it was Bruce Lee's Gong Fu, The Philosophical Art of Self-Defense. It's a little the thin. white book. Yeah. yeah. Right? Wait a minute now. So I'm like, holy <laughs> sh- This is a book that, you know, you can't get it. Okay, it was out of print then. It was out of print in 19-whatever-this-was, 76. Right, goodness. 76. It was out of print. And she says, she says, uh, oh, well, you know, I, I think this one will mean a lot to you because this was Bruce's copy. It was in his library. Wow. So she says, I want you to have it. I'm like, oh, but, uh, and I still have that. <laughs> I still have that motherfucker. Nice. I bet. So, um, the one book so that she seems gives me that, and, I, and I've been treasuring this thing, you know. And, uh, and so that's where it all started. And from there, I started working for them. And what they would do is they would give me um, a, a, a check for X amount of dollars. And what I would do is I would go to Chinatown. I started in L.A. and then they sent me to San Francisco. And I went to Chinatown and my job was to go into the shops, buy everything that had Bruce Lee's name or picture on it. Right. And find out from the, the shop owners. Where um, to get more? They got it. <laughs> you know, like to try the, my best to get their supplier. Like the drug war or something. And so I started doing that, yeah, and and I helped them, you know, do all kinds of, uh, I guess, stings. And they ended up uh, hooking me up with this other company called Ziv International that was the guardian of Bruce Lee's image. And I even had, like, FBI agents come to my place and talk to me, and <laughs> and, and I would take them to where these things were for sale and things. It was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, for a kid, I mean— for a kid to go through. Well, now, and did that, you ever do moonlit night, you know, like ninja raids into the places with nunchucks <laughs> and throwing stars and stuff? Because if not, this is a terrible Kung Fu story, okay? <laughs> I've done my share of ninja midnight raids on fake purse producers in New York Chinatown, but that's another story. <laughs> okay. There you go. We got time for that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You might want to talk about martial arts. I don't know. <laughs> sure, sure. I yeah. got a quick question for you, just out of curiosity, Randy. When you were in uh, Singapore, where were you staying in Singapore? Just because I was there I too. In, I, I lived in a, in an area called well, a couple of different time, different places. First, I lived in a, an area called Bukitima. Yeah, yeah. I lived in Topayo. And after, oh shit. Okay, Topayo. Yeah. So you yeah. were near that big temple where I shot the pictures for my book. Yes, Liangshan Chuanling Shir. Chuanling Tzu, yes. Yeah, yep. that's badass. And they had that oh. old dude who used to teach Fu out of there back in the day. Set, set Ko Sum. Yep, yeah. And um, as yeah, if you ever seen my old books that were produced back in the 80s, mm-hmm. those pictures were all shot at this young lum, or what you would call Chuanling Tzu. Yeah. In Mandarin, it's called Chuanling Tzu. In Cantonese, I always called it Xiong Lum. Xiong Lum Ji, but it's the same thing. Yeah. And then um, was he still around? I remember he moved up into Malaysia, I think Penang. No, um, no, no. Yeah, he wasn't there anymore. But we're yeah. ta- you're talking about Sekko Sum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He left behind. He had a, a student who was really good. Um, what the heck was his name? Um, God, dog. It'll come to me. He moved he, over he, to he, the red light district and opened shop. Yeah, yeah Geelong. Geelong. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Yep. And, uh, and that's where I had my school in Geelong, too, with oh, him. Oh, sweet, sweet. Geelong is the spot, art. brother. He created his own art that he called San Chin Do, The Way of Three Wars. That makes and sense. What the heck was it? Aju? 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 His name was Aju. Okay. And uh, that was Seko some student. Yeah. Was he so, uh, yeah. kind of part of the clans? Well, that means different. Oh my gosh! Just realizing easy, saying that easy, here, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> gosh, well, but you know what I mean because that's kind of big over there. All the yeah. different family clans and all that. 
Yeah, yeah, not that kind of clan. Mm-hmm. Relax, relax. <laughs> um, relax, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> they call him Bruce. It's, well, uh, yeah, he was he was uh, pretty much the father of of organized martial arts in in Singapore. Yeah, sweet, awesome. Well, we'll, we'll squeeze some more stories out of you for sure. We could do a whole swap and paint episode with you, I think, uh, and that would be a blast. But let's talk martial arts for a minute. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, I don't even know if we mentioned this at the beginning, just I guess because we assume everybody knows it, but uh, you're a, a very popular Wing Chun instructor, and uh, that, is that all you teach, or do you teach anything else right now? I know you've traveled around and experienced a lot of stuff. I, I, I only teach Wing Chun. That's it. I, I've trained in other arts, and uh, you know, I, I used to do the Jeet Kune Do under Sifu Ted Wong until he passed away, mm. and uh you know, so so big into that, but I don't teach that. As a matter of fact, I don't even show it. I okay. do that. That's my my own thing that I do um, from what Sifu Ted taught me. And I have a couple of reasons why. Number one, you know, I don't need another whole political world hating me. Right. <laughs> sure. And the Jeet Kune Do guys, you know, they have their own thing going on. And I, you know, really don't want to be part of that um, in terms of the politics, the politics. war that yeah. goes on, the factions. Um, for one thing. And the, and the other thing is, you know, I feel like uh, I'm almost there's, there's lots of people out there who who kind of um, don't like Wing Chun. And, and there's a lot of people out there that will say Wing Chun is lacking in mobility, which is bullshit. Um, they'll say Wing Chun is uh, is weak on the ground. Again, bullshit. And I've got a story about that. But, you know, the thing is that I almost feel like I owe it to Wing Chun because Wing Chun is what made me. The reason you're talking to me right now, you wouldn't give a shit who I was if I wasn't doing Wing Chun. Sure. As right. a matter of fact, you probably don't give a shit who I am anyway. But Oh, no, we love you now. Dude, <laughs> you don't know. You've been a hero of mine for many years, yeah. actually. I've seen you in the magazines, and you may take this the wrong way, but I'm hoping you'll take it as a compliment. But I, my nickname for you used to be the White Bruce Lee because you look <laughs> exactly like him and you're stature your body stature that way your hair was done and you had that musculature like you was doing bruce lee's workout every day and you were doing the wing chun you know and well, uh influence you know i'm not gonna lie i was influenced a lot by bruce lee who wasn't yeah, yeah you had a million other kids yeah but, but, but my influence with bruce lee started before a lot of other kids yeah, yeah right definitely yeah. um but you know and it's okay to call me the white Bruce Lee because I'm like almost white. I'm pretty fly for an almost white guy. I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty fry for an almost there white guy. There you go. But, uh, you know, now I'm complete. Oh, yeah, what I was going to say was that, you know, um, I almost feel like I, I'm a torch bearer for Wing Chun. I almost feel like, you know, by choice or not, I, I almost carry the torch for Wing Chun for the world, for, for my world. Mm-hmm. And, right. and I almost feel like, Having people see me out there showing, teaching uh, Jeet Kune Do, which is like this this blend of arts that was necessary to create because, you know, like MMA, a mix of, of what works and, and, right. and throw away what doesn't work. For me to do that in, in a public way, in a very public way, is almost like me being seen out at a club with a hot chick when I'm married. Yeah, right. I agree. What, what I'm doing is I'm almost saying – you know, Wing Chun, yeah, it's great and everything, but I need this to supplement that because I need to know how to fight. Uh-huh. And so I, I I don't feel that way, but I think that other people might grab onto that and say, oh, look, Randy can't, you know, Wing Chun's not good enough for him. He needs Jeet Kune Do so he can really fight. Right. And, and some of these pricks 
that that you know would would grab on anything to criticize you yeah would, would say that and yeah. and it, so i almost feel like and even if they didn't i don't i don't even want people to think um in some way that wing chun might not be enough right and and cut it, it's if i wasn't sort of out there in the public eye i wouldn't care but because of who i am and and i don't mean that to sound like i'm trying to brag but but because of who i am in the You're world a known and, personality dude will recognize my name and my picture and for me to be doing something else, like I say, it's almost like um, a, a slight to the image of Wing Chun. I'm one of those last dinosaurs. <laughs> right. Well, I think Wing Chun, ever since Bruce Lee and a lot of this other stuff, at least in Western culture, has suffered from some of the same problems that uh, very popular arts like Tai Chi have. Um, you got the the more popular it gets and the more commercial it gets. It seems like the tooth to tail ratio goes way up in favor of tail. Yeah, and so the, the toothy guys that were always there sort of get buried, and you know yeah. you have to yep. sort of more water and marketing, man. Unfortunately, sure. so That's I right. I appreciate that you're willing to stand up for what you think the art ought to be. Right. And you yeah, know, you're you're a tai chi guy, right? No, bagua. <laughs> I did Tai Chi some too, yeah. You, you don't practice any? I thought you taught Bruce his Tai Chi. Um, Gao Bagua. So only Bagua? Yes. Yeah, that's the only thing I teach. Yeah. Yep. Okay, okay. Well, I know Bruce does some Tai Chi, so yeah. I assume he got it from you. Oh, no. Somewhere no. else. No. He came okay. prepackaged with that. Bruce could whoop ass yeah. when we got him, so it's... <laughs> Bruce does, oh, they, yeah, We're just yeah. teaching him how to dance in circles now. <laughs> he told me before that he does Tai Chi, Taekwondo, Thai boxing, and Tyrone Tata to him. <laughs> Tyrone. <laughs> and he they still owes over here tying dollars. one on. <laughs> At the Taiwan Inn. That's yeah. right. And he's, he, he's, he said something about his other master being... Um, I guess his name was um, Minakana Taken Oshida. Yeah. Yep. That was him. Like his wife was Emerson one. Biggins. But, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I've never heard of some of these jokes. I'm actually like it. I've never. Me not going to take an Oshida. I love that. Yeah, me not going to take an Oshida yep. taught me a lot. I know you're going to use that, too, so don't try to <laughs> yeah. out me. I'll give you full credit. And he signed his confession, Jack That's Meehoff. That's original. Oh. You know, I've, I, got a, I got a load of them. Uh, what do Japanese cannibals eat? <laughs> what? Guam Ben. <laughs> How do you rob a bank in Tokyo? Supplies. Shogun. Hey. Shogun. <laughs> All right, Battle. enough of that. What else do you want to know? I was about to drag out the, the, the snare drum and do some rim shots for you, but no, okay. but I love that stuff. Well, He's like us, he kind of self derogatory, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though we do the Chinese Absolutely. stuff. <laughs> so how I have a couple of questions about how you became a teacher and how how you de- how you developed your teaching skills more specifically. Like how mm-hmm. do you? It's, you can you can have a set of skills and be able to do something, but teaching other people to do is a whole other art or craft. Like how, how do you develop I, that? Here's what I do, Bruce. Bruce experienced a little bit. He was forced. Uh, he was subjected to my instruction for like five hours one day. <laughs> it was and, a good day. It was an I'm, honor, I'm sure. So. Um, I'll tell you, here's what I did. Um, I've, I've molded my teaching sort of the, the, the procedure, or the, 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 my style of teaching. I've, I've molded it based upon some of my favorite teachers in life, not all of which were martial arts instructors, mm-hmm. you know, like a favorite history teacher and, and, and not, not just martial arts instructors because my own instructor Although was a great guy, I don't I don't necessarily think he might have been the greatest instructor in the world. Good instructor, great instructor, but maybe not the greatest in the world. 
And, you know, because we all know that just because you're a great martial artist doesn't make you a great teacher and vice, vice versa. versa. Right. Yeah. Right. And so what I what I tried to do with my teaching style is I tried to, to, to mold it using some of my favorite guys. And what I've always said to myself and I continue to this day is I say to myself, man, if I could be if if I could picture the perfect ultimate teacher that I would want to have that would explain things in such a way that I would want them explained very concisely, very, Mm -hmm. very cleanly, very easy to understand, very, very uh, approachable, um, scientific, Uh, you you name the qualities. (laughs) What I I would do is I I made this imaginary uh, perfect teacher in my mind, and I strive to be that guy for my people. A little bit of acting. Yeah. So, so I try to be what I would think of as the perfect teacher. And, and sometimes that, that involves, you know, I don't know, it's, it's not exactly like um, acting, but, but sometimes you have to be what, what they would want. And and even if you don't feel like being that. Yeah. A a big part of being a teacher is realizing what your students need and not trying to just dump your pedagogy on them in an X, Y, Z. You got to see what they can learn that day and get at it. And speak their language. And sometimes that sucks, but yeah. Come here. I'm, my, my, my goddaughter's here to visit, so I'm just going to take her for a second and All right. show her okay. to you guys. Hey, That's goddaughter. McKen- hi. Hey, girl. It's Mackenzie. Hi, hi Mackenzie. How are you doing? Say hi to everybody on the podcast, Mackenzie. Yep. Hey, say hi. You're on the radio. She doesn't want to say hi. She's a little shy. <laughs> okay. We love her. That's cool. She's a cutie. My son's liable to ambush us at any point. So Yeah. How old is she? She's five. Oh, very cool. So, um... Anyway, um, getting back to the teaching thing. So, I, and I love teaching, and of course, you learn more um, teaching, when you yeah. teach. And and I I always it's kind of a personal challenge for me to try to come up with more and more concise ways to explain the theory. I try to come up with um, the best possible examples and analogies that I can to help people understand quickly. And it's a, it's a it's a challenge for me. And how quick can I get this job done? Because Wing Chun is all about economy of motion, time, um, strength, and the right. odds. Almost like playing the odds in Vegas. being Doing something that's going to work more often than not and have more chance to win. Mm-hmm. And, and economy of motion, what we call in Chinese Lin Siu Dai Da, that concept, <laughs> the concept of Lin Siu Dai Da actually encompasses your teaching as well. Because how quickly, how, how, how concisely can you get this point across? you know, to people and, and make sure that they fully understand. And so, the, you know, that's my, that's kind of my motivation for teaching. And, and how did I get into teaching? I guess to answer Bruce's question, he's probably sorry he asked now, cause I see he's probably asleep. Is he sleeping back? <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, how did that I get into good. teaching? How did, how do any of us get into teaching? I guess, I guess um, people would see what I was doing and they would think, Hey, that's cool. How do I do that? And you need guys to work out with. You need guys to, you know, to use as dummies. You need guys to throw you punches. You, you know, you, you need that. And I think you need the, the, that companionship. And when you teach, and, I, and I'm not going to lie, most, most young guys, and I was once, believe it or not, contrary to popular belief, a young guy. And <laughs> you still, still are. Yeah. It, well, are you turning 30 but, this year? Well, Aren't but, we uh, you know, when I was a young guy, I, I, I think, it would be fair enough to say that I wanted to be a teacher because 
it was, you know, I guess a, a kind of a not status, but it, you know, you, you're you're looking for for maybe I was looking for some admiration, or maybe I was looking for, you know, oh that guy's a gong fu instructor, you know, yeah, a little and recognition, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's some recognition probably, yeah, and and um, certainly once I started coming out in the magazines, you know, people were, were contacting me and wanting to learn, Flood. which was like, wow, you're, you're from England and you want, you want, what, you want to bring me to England to teach you? Yeah. Um, and you but, travel all over the world. teaching. Oh yeah. I mean, that, I'm right? going that's... to London. I was going Tuesday, but I, I moved it to Thursday because of this hurricane that's coming. Oh yeah. But I was in Mexico last week, two weeks before that I was in Germany. Um, when I get back from Mexico or get back from where the hell I'm going, London, I'm going to Paris and uh, to see the parasites and uh, Portugal <laughs> after that. Who knows where the hell I, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm like horseshit after a parade. I'm everywhere. <laughs> hey, Randy, let me ask you this question back uh, kind of on teaching methodology thing. This is Craig speaking um, because I like one of the, the words you use metaphors because that's what you end up having to do. Um, you know, it, it, for you, perhaps when your teacher taught you a move, you know, he said, you know, shoot your fist like an arrow or something cheesy and it, and it worked for you and, and, and you understood oh, yeah. it and you did it. And as a teacher, you know, years later, you understood that you say that to somebody else, somebody just still looking at you with the zombie eyes and you got to come up with something else and mm-hmm. continually, I'm just out of curiosity because this happens to me on a fairly regular basis where you go through your entire toolbox of explanations and they're still zombie died. What do you, do you jump to an adjective? What as a teacher, what's your first thing? Cause since you were talking about economy of motion, economy of discussion and explanation, I imagine, mm-hmm. what do you jump to for the next thing on the spot where you don't have a ready answer, but you're coming up with one. What do you kind oh, of yeah. use? In I there? love that. You know yeah, what I'm I love- saying? Yeah, I do. I know exactly what you're saying. I I, I love nothing better than, than to be put on the spot, mm-hmm. um, especially in front of a hostile crowd, yeah. where I'll I'll just say to them, "Hey, ask me anything about Wing Chun, any question you might have in the world about Wing Chun, and I'll answer it." Right. And who knows what to say? Now, I guess your question is like, you start explaining to them, and they still don't get it. Yeah, that's where analogies come in. Yeah, because analogies are pretty much the best. The best way to convey knowledge, in in my experience, where where you can explain to somebody, let's say you're trying to explain to them about timing, mm-hmm. and you're trying to explain to somebody um, how how to hit someone when he's trying to hit you. Yes. And in Wing Chun, it's very important that we what we call jielik, borrow power. Yeah. So if the you, moment if their you, shoulder starts to move with that punch, you hit him before that's even expressed. You, yeah. See, you you understand the concept, yeah. but we're talking about somebody who doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's how I, here's how I go about that. I say, well, okay, um, timing is the art in Wing Chun of learning to hit someone when they're trying to hit you, thus borrowing their power and using it against them. Mm. Now, if you would imagine power is like electricity in that power comes from the ground and it quickly returns to the ground the most direct way it can. A bird sitting on an electric wire doesn't get electrocuted because he's not touching the ground. Right. But if you could somehow reach up, if it sagged down and you, you touched touch it, you'd get electrocuted. Yeah. Why? Because that power is trying to go to the quickest route to the ground it possibly can. Now, when you punch and you pick up your foot and you throw a punch, it's as though <laughs> your hand is energized while you're in the air. Exactly. So, in a sense, your power is coming from the ground through your leg and your hand is like zzzz 
almost like um, in a video game, there's that brief moment when your fist is lit up and it goes ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Execute combo now. now. Yeah. During, during that moment when, you're, when your hand is ding, 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 that's when you can hit someone mm -hmm. and, and with more power. The minute your foot hits the ground, zap, your hand is Done. human again. Yeah. So during that moment you're lit up, you're ding, 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 that's when you want to hit the guy. Now, at the same time, when your opponent goes to hit you, his hand and body gets energized in the same way. When he's moving, ding, 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 he's like the ghost in Pac-Man that when it's lit up and blinking, that's the time you can eat him and get more, more points. So what we're going to strive for in Wing Chun is we're going to strive to push off, throw a punch, and land that punch while the opponent is in mid-motion, exactly. thus blinking like the ghost in Pac-Man. And if I can hit him when I have the ding, ding, ding super punch – and he has the blink, 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 ghost and Pac-Man. I can nail him. With <laughs> that was so ancient Chinese the way you did that. That really was. <laughs> you asked me how to bring it into the modern time because exactly. my teacher to me a whole different way and got the same concept through to me, but in a whole ancient Chinese way. Right, yeah. right, right. It's work when you're talking to uh, some 20-somethings. Yeah. But, but he understands pretty much... I would venture to guess that everyone in your audience that listens to this will understand exactly what I said just now. Yeah, definitely. And, and, circuitry. And that's to try to, that was in, to try to answer your question with an example of, mm. of using analogies. And what you, what you have to do, in my opinion, is you need to search for the proper analogy um, for anything you're trying to teach. If you're talking about facing, mm -hmm. then you want to think of an analogy everybody can understand, like, you know, the gunboats in the old days that had their, their guns on the sides. Right. So if they would pull up next to each other, they would just shoot at each other until somebody went down. Yeah. But right. if you, you turn your ship side. around the front in a T formation, you had half your guns pointing at him and his guns were pointing out to sea. Exactly. Well, in fighting, we want to do the same thing. We want to step in such a way that we're both of our guns are looking at the opponent's dead side. And so his guns are pointing out to sea and ours are pointing at him. That's Wing Chun stepping right there. <laughs> exactly. But, but uh, what I did was I, I threw that into an analogy that anyone could, with half a brain could understand. Right. Least common denominator, it sounds like. You look at your audience and kind of shoot for that. So when you do that, you end up, um, you end up instructing people in a way that makes them feel smart. Because Wing Chun has a way, and, and I'm not saying that any art that you guys might do doesn't do the same thing because they all come from the same route. Yeah. But what I'm saying is my experience with Wing Chun – Wing Chun kind of makes you feel smart because you you learn these concepts and once you understand them, boom, they're in your head and they help you with your fighting skills. They come into play all the time and you kind of almost feel, um, hey, I'm kind of I kind of feel smart. You know, like you you, you <laughs> when you read Shibumi, you kind of felt smart when you were done. Oh yeah, because you, you knew what he was talking about. You said, <laughs> oh yeah, the proximity sense. Yeah, I get that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have a little bit of that, you know, you, you felt smart. You felt like the guy educated you in something you always knew, but never could put to words. Yeah. And, and, and that's how I feel that, that what Wing Chun does to you is it kind of educates you in a way that, that it's something that is, was already inherently or atavistically there, but you, you just didn't realize it. And somebody, when that, when that person turned you on to it, you, you kind of feel smart, like, uh, like, wow, you, you just, you just made me feel smarter. You know, you can talk to somebody for five minutes and feel like everybody in the room just got stupider. Oh yeah. 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 And, and, and Wing Chun is like the opposite. 
Because when, when you're in a room with a guy who really knows Wing Chun and he explains it to you, you almost feel smarter for, for having learned whatever he had to say. Yeah. Wing Chun has that physics and all that, the geometry stuff I love, and it's yeah. cool stuff. Lo- I mean. loads, of, loads of angle, loads yeah. of, uh, of leverage. Mm. I'm big on leverage. Yeah. One of my favorite things in the whole world is the lever and the fulcrum. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. the screw's not bad either. <laughs> I think the fulcrum, in, in this case, would you call that the elbow? But I don't know. No, I A lot of things will change. But you do like the screw. Yeah. You do like the screw. But but I'm I'm a bit yeah the screw yeah that's another <laughs> you've been to Singapore you said you said you were in Singapore you know about the screw my friend I know, about I know the you do because I've screwed a few comedians in my life they were females comedians there you go but, watch the but, pronunciation uh, it, yeah. yeah but anyway anyway I hope that uh you know you're probably not you're probably sorry you asked by now but I, I hope not uh, no I actually that, have a follow up question on that um. Uh, and this is something that, that I'm using a lot more with uh, trying to get economy of effort in my teaching. Bruce was telling me you had something you call the ABCs of Wing Chun. Like you yes, broken do. it down yes, do. into the basic hinges of the oh, art. And that. that's, yeah. that's kind of the same thing is built into our system. There's 24 basic techniques that just repeat and com- recombine and appear in all different places. Uh, how do you yep. work with that to teach efficiently? And- well, here's what you do. This is what I'd, it occurred to me very recently. Um, actually I developed the lesson for this guy called Zoltan Bathory uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, the sorcerer. Yeah. You, you haven't heard of the guy, but anyway, I developed this lesson actually for him. And, uh, I was on a plane and I, I, I was going through like, how am I going to teach this guy? I know he's a, an expert in, in, in various martial arts. And <laughs> how am I going to teach this guy? How am I going to reach him? How am I going to get to him? And, and get him to, you know, to grab him. Uh, what, what am I going to do? Like, what do you give the guy who has everything? Right. Again, right. a pair of brass knuckles with skulls on them. Okay. <laughs> what do you give the guy who has everything? So I'm thinking, hmm, okay. I've always talked about this. And, and I finally put it, you know, into hard science. Wing Chun has this uncanny, almost, almost magic. I, I, I'm going to stick my neck out and say almost magic because I'm a fairly intelligent person. And I still don't know how the fuck it works. <laughs> I know that it works, but I don't know how it works. Well, as Richard Feynman says, if you think you understand quantum mechanics, you don't understand quantum mechanics. So yeah. well, <laughs> kind of the Wing same Chun thing. Fits, He's a fine man. Winchin fits with that. Because what I what I thought was, I've always said it, but I finally actually quantified it. If you understand yin and yang, okay, that's what I would call the A of the A to Z. Because it Zero happens one. that there are 26 layers that I could think of. Right. Now, the next layer would then be what I call reference, meaning where your hands go in space in relation to your own body and then in relation to the enemy's body. And then the cutting angle and then timing and then trapping and then centerline theory. And there, there's so many uh, and there these different things. But the weird thing about them is that they work together. So if you understand yin and yang and then you learn reference, reference depends upon yin and yang. And any technique that you do in Wing Chun will express both reference and yin and yang. But then when you learn the cutting angle of Wing Chun, you find out that it also requires the knowledge or it's based upon yin and yang and reference. Hmm. And any technique that you do in Wing Chun will express cutting angle, reference, and yin and yang. But then when you understand the centerline theory of Wing Chun, you'll understand about putting the tip of your what we call defense pyramid between the tip of the opponent's what we call attack pyramid and the centerline, which is the connection of your core to mine. Right. 
And then you'll find out that when you comply with centerline theory, you also are in compliance with reference, yin and yang, and cutting angle. And then when you go to timing in Wing Chun, you'll find out that there's regular timing, breaking timing, created timing, delayed timing, double timing. And when you express any of those timings in a technique, you're also coincidentally expressing cutting angle, reference, yin and yang. Right. And 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 then then you go to the next and the next and the next and, and the right concepts the, build on each other logically until you've got yep. the package. And, and, and exactly, I couldn't have said it better. And, and when you when you end up at twenty six, uh, the Z, you find out that every Wing Chun technique expresses all twenty six of those letters simultaneously. And you just go, how the hell is that possible? <laughs> I got to say, this is amazing. This is the first time, Randy. Um, this is Craig. I, I do Northern Shaolin, Boxy alum. Never done Wing Chun. I mean, once or twice, tossed hands with people, but I've never gone and studied Siolim Tao or whatever, you know. Never done it. So I don't know a huge amount that I, you know, about it. But I had uh, my own gross misconceptions. Based on what I just heard you say, that's amazing to me because Northern Shaolin, in my opinion, seems, you know, very far away from Wing Chun. But every principle you just mentioned, we do the exact same shit. Well, we have the exact same principle, maybe different movements for it. But that that was amazing to me. That was awesome. Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Everything in Wing Chun is somewhere in Shaolin, but yeah. the converse is not true. Wing Chun is derived from Shaolin, right. mainly from Snake and Crane. Right. But the converse is not true. Everything that's in Shaolin is not in Wing Chun, but everything in Wing Chun is in Shaolin. So therefore, it makes perfect sense to me for you to say oh, that. Oh, okay. Because if you didn't say that, I would say, well, you're not learning right. Right, 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 right. <laughs> because actually, it, you know, your you know your style of of Buxi Ulam mm. is the father, or, or or certainly the grandfather of Wing Chun. Right. So so every every DNA, every part of my DNA is is in my grandpa, right, or right, comes right. from my grandpa, or at least. You know, grandpa and grandma. But you guys at least so, have honed in on those ones that per, perhaps that you decided to keep on. That makes the style the style. Yeah, exactly. Know, specialized but, on well, that. If, if you want to learn Northern Shaolin quickly, that's just not possible either. Well, true. It's a big system. <laughs> okay, and you know, I did it here. for like six years, and I was still on the second form or something. <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> you know what? And it's not really possible to learn Wing Chun all that quickly either, although loads of people think so. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to go through quite a lot to realize the simplicity of it. Um, mm, but right. there's a lot of learning that goes with it. And, and, um, and so I've broken it down to what I call the A to Z which Bruce is familiar with. Mm -hmm. And everything I said, pretty much everything I said to Bruce that day was like, yeah, I knew that, you know, but not, (laughs) no, I don't mean that. No, I don't mean that in a smart ass way. I mean that as a tribute to you, Dave, because he was like, oh yeah, well, that's what we already, I already knew that. I mean, maybe we said it a little different, but but yeah. but this is nothing foreign to me. Well, you know, we so, were talking about the science of it. The physics doesn't change from one art to the other. To be effective, it sort of has to embody a certain set of principles on yep. some level. They're going to look different or whatever, but it's it's going to be in there or it's not yep. going to work. Gravity exists yeah. regardless of the Chinese kung fu movies, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's stuff like that. Any great martial art is going to arrive at the same things in in their own way. But yeah. there are certain truths that, that you know, a way of throwing a punch with power, mm-hmm. a time to throw a punch, mm-hmm. a way to lock somebody up, a way to block somebody, a way to deflect. Those things are basic truths 
of, of physiology and physics. And, and they're going to occur to the masters of any great style of martial arts. So you're going to have these similarities that are going to occur. And especially within Chinese Gong Fu, if it's done right and taught well, mm-hmm. which obviously you're a good teacher and you've taught Bruce well, because I, I pretty much didn't have anything to tell him that he didn't already know. But, well, but, you know, Bruce, Bruce came with a lot of with a lot of martial arts under his belt from the beginning, so I can't take credit for all of it by any stretch. I learned well, quite a lot in those five hours. <laughs> yeah, he learned a lot in five hours from you too. So well, I just what, like seeing the pictures on Facebook. It's, it's pretty hard to teach that bastard because he knows everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> Mister Know It All. Cup That's right. full. <laughs> That's right. Wait, your cup is not but, full, uh, CC. But you know, <laughs> you know that. that's my view. That's my view on it. On the layers or the A to Z of Wing Chun. So my it, view it made on, logical those, uh, sense. on that is, go ahead. Uh, it There's, just made logical sense the way you laid it out, and in the the end, you know, the like X, Y, and Z of it seemed to tie everything from the beginning together. You know, and I, I just thought it was really well laid out. You know, I, cool. I appreciated learning it. it. Was and it it gave me a lot of insight into Wing Chun and and how you could use it to defend yourself. You know. Well, well, thanks for saying that. Well, yeah. I'm the jackass when he posted those photos on Facebook. I, I posted back, that looks kind of like dot, 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 because I didn't want to stir up any trouble, but I'm like, oh, I totally recognize what they're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've never saw, done a lick saw, of Wing Chun in my life. I saw your comment, I, although I didn't I didn't realize who you were at the time when you made the comment, but well, I said... When you were cool actually, about it, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't... I didn't take it that way at all. I took it as a compliment. There you I go. Said, yeah. Well, here's somebody who can see what I'm doing here and understands it and compares it to something he already knows, which means I, I touched you in the right way. It's not like being touched by an uncle. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I when did, you're sitting hit, on your hit, ass in the corner five hours later. Yeah. I hit, I hit the nerve and, and apparently, you know, touched your um, understanding of martial arts in a way that you said, hey, that's a lot like what we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, you know, I didn't really know who you were at the time. Uh, I didn't know if you were, you know, training partner or, uh, you know, I didn't really know. But rock and roll drug I, addict. I actually, yeah, I'm well. He that's is too. that too. Actually, <laughs> I didn't actually, I didn't actually um, find it offensive at all. Should I have? Probably. No, no, no. I, uh, that's what I was saying when you replied. Oh, like, you know, I knew from your reply. I'm like, oh, this guy's cool right off the bat. He didn't take umbrage at that. And. As a matter of fact, he was he was nice about it. Oh, no. We gotta talk to this I'm guy. Gonna, I would take umbrage. I don't even know what the fuck umbrage is, let alone take umbrage. <laughs> you that's, can see it on the street and walk right past it. That's yeah, Dave, I, though. He's got the words. I normally, normally use one when it rains, and that's about all. <laughs> Randy, let me ask you a devil's advocate question here. Um, for those Go of ahead. us that might not be wing chunners, if you would. Are there yep. different st- like you know? I'm in Northern Shaolin. Dave's in Bagua. There's Tai Chi, and even though that's a style, there's also styles of each of those styles. Yeah, there's fifty kinds of Bagua. Right? And, yeah. Is Wing Chun similar in that fact, or is there simply Wing Chun is Wing Chun? Does Wing or Chun ninja, have styles? Please. Say again. I said ninja, please. <laughs> ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. He's being um, coy. You know, I always do. Yeah. Okay, that's why you prefaced it with the devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Thing. All right. Well, listen, there's as many Wing Chun uh, styles as there are Wing Chun teachers, I think, almost. Now, there's a couple reasons for that. There's a lot lot of reasons for it. First of all, it's like a game of telephone. Mm -hmm. Um, When you call me on the phone, um, even though your dad taught you to speak English, when you call me, I know it's you. I know it's not your dad. Right. You do Wing Chun. I know it's you. 
by because because you can't help but express right. it in your own way. Right. It's almost like um, you know, like I say, the t- game of telephone. I could put a bag over my different students' heads. I could put a bag over Mario Lopez's head. I could put That's a, a good bag idea. And, and probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should. Um, I could put a bag over, uh, you know, let's say my guy in in Portugal, you know, Mm -hmm. Leo, or I could put a bag over the head of my guy uh, Vito in in Italy. Right. And and, and after Bruce, hold still. (laughs) Oh shit! (laughs) (laughs) But you just feel their hands. In other words, you can tell who's who. I I feel their hands, or I could watch them do something. Right. who they are now in the same way Wing Chun it lends itself to personal expression so there that's one of the reasons why Wing Chun is expressed differently another reason is that everybody teaches it in their own way and and partially because the grandmaster of uh, depending on who you talk to Yip Mun mm-hmm. uh, did not leave a real syllabus for us all and say this is the grandmaster this is the guy you're going to listen to this is Wing Chun Quo Vadis um, or yeah. status quo of Wing Chun. This is what you're going to do. He did not do that. So he left us all with these kind of um, vague ideas about what was right. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is, what is the proper way to do Siulim Tao? What is the proper, pro- you know, what is Tan Sao? Is it, is it like this? Is it like that? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know? And so there was a lot of, a lot of it left up to everybody. And the, and it was almost like um, the old days, you know, grabbing for land in the old West and everybody grabbed for their territory right. and everybody got their territory. And now we all stick to our fucking guns and protect our territory zealously. All right, all right. And, and what happens now is that you've got all these guys that are invested in, in their particular way of doing Wing Chun. Now, 20 years ago or 30, I don't know, how old am I? Well, let's let's go forty. Uh-huh. Forty years ago, <laughs> none of it. these ever dreamed that there would be an internet. Very much like all these <laughs> criminals that are getting buried by DNA now for shit they did thirty years ago. Yeah, it's a lot of guys that had their Wing Chun system kind of defined. Um, bye, girls. My my goddaughter's leaving. Goodbye. Um, bye bye. There were all, there were all these guys that had their their Wing Chun system kind of defined and never knowing that there would ever be an internet or anyone would ever sort of bust Call them, them so, on their bullshit. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it, but what happened is now these guys are all, they've, they've all basically painted themselves into a corner because this is the knife form, which none of these motherfuckers ever learned. Okay. But they painted themselves into a corner and now well, they're, they're stuck. With yeah. And so, what happens now is they, they have this knife form that they've been promoting as what Yip Mun taught them and for the last, whatever, 30, 40 years. And now they're stuck with it. And, and nobody's, nobody's going to step up and say, hey, I made that shit up. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't finish it and I needed something to show my guys because they were ready to progress. Right. And, and nobody's prepared to do that. And, and see, and, and, the sad thing is some of those guys are probably good and actually came up with decent material, but because it's not what they claimed it was, now they're stuck. Yeah, know? it's the honesty factor. Yeah, You know, and, and that's kind of the way, the way that I, that's what I think is going on. Now, there's all these different schools. So there's loads of different guys you can follow. And every one of them has a really great approach. It just depends on, you know, well, I, I shouldn't say every one of them. You know, I'm not a proponent of, you know, some people say everyone has something to offer. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> because people, it's a blanket statement and blanket statements suck. Yep. 
It, it, Oftentimes, uh, yeah. which is a blanket statement. Thank you. Now, you know, people will say things like, well, everyone has something to offer. No, they don't. Some people have jack shit to offer. Yeah. So, you know, but you are an intelligent human being. You go to these different schools and you can see the difference in approach and you can decide, well, I like this guy's approach. I like that guy's approach. Right. And, you know, there's major schools of Wing Chun out there. There's, there's a lot of offshoots, but the major ones – You've got, you know, some of the major guys that learned from Yip Man or, or claim to have learned from Yip Man. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you know, these, these big different schools. I, I don't know if I should name names. You know, there's no, no offense in no. names. It doesn't matter really. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. Nah, well, then I won't. It's up to but, you. I'm going to say it in a disrespectful way because I don't disrespect them. Although the, uh, most of them, disres- a lot of them disrespect me um, yeah, for their true, own. True, true. They but call you out by name. You know, but, but. In, in any case, you've got, the, you know, the various schools. Now, I call mine Close Range Combat Academy Wing Chun, CRCA. You know, it's fun to train at the CRCA. <laughs> and we, we call ours Close, close Range. Thank you. You see how I do the arts. <laughs> yeah. Super gay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, my, my particular take on Wing Chun is what I call CRCA, or Close Range Combat Academy Wing Chun. And, and I teach in my own way. And I'm sure that, you know, the other guys wouldn't like it, you know, maybe don't agree with it, you know, and and I don't really care. And I'm sure they don't either. Right. And they have their ways. So it depends on who you go to, you know, what they're going to teach you and and how you're going to learn Wing Chun. The art of Wing Chun is, is uh, like the art of, like the language of Spanish. Mm. You can go to Argentina and they speak it one way. You can go to Mexico, you can go to Spain. They all get different, but it's Spanish. Okay, and your slant on it depends on where you live and, and, and where you come from. But the point is, if you speak the language, you speak the language. And people can laugh at you about the way you express yourself in Spanish. But if you understand Spanish, you understand Spanish. That's it. And, and there may be some little words that are different. So you don't know when, when you go to one country and they say that word that means such and such. And, and you go to a different country, they use a different word. Okay, but in essence, you can you can communicate. Right. The and slang when, and the idioms change, but the, the core of the thing remains the same. Well, it's like and, Xiao J in Chinese, which means young miss, now has become derogatory, almost like you're calling the girl prostitute. It's like, where'd that come from? What is Because a lot of young girls are prostitutes. Yeah, well, and that's the way we like. Never mind. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I, okay. it's nice to see a squiggle because we've all been in styles where we have to face the exact same issue. And yeah. I was just curious to hear how you handled it. And that, that I, it sounds like the same way we do. And that's very it, cool. You know, and it is. It's, it's a universal thing, just like anything else. Certain truths in martial arts, whether, whether they're positive or negative, they, they surface. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you a funny story about Chinese now that you mentioned it. All right. A few, well, this was more than a few years now. God, this was back in the <laughs> early 90s. They I say the memory is the first thing that goes there, Randy. And then the days. <laughs> Of all the things you took away, I miss my mind By the, the most. most yeah. <laughs> that, that's a lyric from a Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah. Song. Uh, anyway, uh, I was on a booze cruise in Chicago in in '91, and I went out on this booze cruise, and uh, with with this guy called Ron Balicki, who he's a he's quite a well known JKD guy now. He's married to Dan Santos' daughter. Yeah, yeah. We had Jackpot. a friend with a podcast that interviewed him not too mm-hmm. long ago. Oh, you did? Well, did he mention me? He should have, that him. motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll get him on and we'll make him talk about you the whole time. Don't you worry. Tell him I said so. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I love, I love, I love Ron guy. to death. Uh, I do, by the way. But anyway, Ron takes me on this booze cruise in Chicago. 
And there's these at the time all over the country and especially in Chicago, there were these billboards everywhere with these uh, three girls laying on a giant beach towel that looked like a Budweiser can label. And they were all in bikinis and the portion of their bikinis that was exposed matched perfectly so they blended the into the Budweiser wrap. I had label. that in my college dorm room actually. Remember that? I know okay. that poster. I know that photo. So I'm on the booze cruise with these these three girls. And uh, they were the, the big attraction of this cruise. So we're on this booze cruise and I start talking to one of the girls, this blonde, and she says, uh, you know, and I was just home from Singapore. I, I, I mean, I was on vacation or just got gotten home from Singapore. Nice. So, like, I even had the, tr- you know, regular traditional Singapore shirt that you wear, the batik shirt. <laughs> yeah. And this girl. I bet you look and, sharp uh, in that. She and says, say, oh, uh, hey, now what time I? <laughs> thank you. Exactly. So, she, so, so I'm talking to this girl, and she says, uh, oh, so what, do you live here in Chicago? I says, no, no, I live in Singapore. I'm just here, you know, for the week. And she says, Singapore. Do you speak Chinese? And I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And she says, oh, I do too. What? So I'm like, I'm like, you're joking, right? You're joking. This is a girl that has TGIF. Yeah, the model chick. No way. This is a girl who has TGIF written on her shoes because toes go in first. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she claims to speak Chinese, right? So I'm like, you speak Chinese. So she's, so, so yes, she says. So she says to me, uh, I said, well, well, yeah, I speak Chinese. I said, out of curiosity, like, how is it that you speak Chinese? She says, well, I just came back from the Budweiser tour through Taiwan. And um, in the Budweiser tour through Taiwan, um, you know, I learned to speak Chinese because we were there for like two weeks. <laughs> of course you did. So I'm, I'm like, like oh, what did they teach her? I got to. I, I so I'm like, so I'm like, OK, you know, bounce it off. So she says to me, she says, Ni Ma Salama, which what? means, <laughs> what she was trying to say was, you know, Ni Hao Ma, which is, you know, mm-hmm. you're, how are you? Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Oh, but, no, she, was, but, but what she said was, your mother's an old yeah, rogue. That's an old curse. That's an old <laughs> curse, dude. She says to me, your mother's an old rogue. So I say back to her, well, thank you. Your, your mother's too. an old rogue, too. And she says, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right? so, so the thing that's always bugged me is, you know, my mother actually is an old rope. I just don't know how she knew that. <laughs> you be careful. Your mother might hear this. Oh, boy. <laughs> but but in any case, um, you know, ask me something else about martial arts because I'm sure I'm boring you to death a, with all these I have a question stories. for Zoltan, actually. For Zoltan? Zoltan? Um, yeah, Zoltan asked me to ask you. Oh. Um, <laughs> How important is it to you and Wing Chung to recruit new students and to keep the art alive? Or are you comfortable being underground or going underground? And is it important that they um, compete in mixed martial arts type of events in order to prove, if you will, their efficacy or their, yeah, their efficacy ability to I use martial arts? Same to you. Um, well, <laughs> Good question, Zoltan. You know what? That's an awesome question. And, and I'll tell you. Let me answer it, you know, the first part, which is how important is it to me to pass this down? It is so important to me to pass this down that I've created uh, an instructor's manual, which is the state of the art of CRCA Wing Chun, which is constantly being updated and emailed to all my what I call barn members. I know I live on a farm and my barn is my gym and the barn members are my lifetime students. And my barn members all receive basically a weekly update, you know, where I, I update the techniques. I've also created a testing system in Wing Chun for for belts based upon 
the, the form that you're learning. Sulim Tao being, being the first, Chum Q, BUG, and so on. Mm-hmm. And I have a belt system. And each belt um, level has, has a, uh, a test attached to it. And that test involves 108 questions which pertain to the <laughs> movements in the form. 108? So, 108. That's odd. Yeah. You just picked that at random, right? Yeah, yeah. Just what a coincidence. Oh, no. <laughs> what a coinky dink. Well, it, it, it's a coincidence in the in in or or it isn't, but it's it's based upon the fact that the forms have 108 moves, and well, which wasn't chosen. You by know, me. that's a Chinese kung fu thing all up and down. Yeah, my Bagua well, system's got 108 moves. The way they count well, them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all the way you count it. You can make it come out to 300 if you wanted exactly. to. Exactly, yeah. but. The thing is that I've created this testing system, not so much so the guys can show off their shiny new yellow belt or red belt or green belt or brown black, but but more so that I know that they are going to be able to pass this system down and they're going to be able to make sure that it lives on because I'm no spring chicken. Now, I claimed earlier, I told you earlier that Yip Mun, when he left this earth, he did not leave us with Quo Vadis or status quo of Wing Chun. Right. And so we... We, we don't have that. And so I vowed that I would never leave this earth without having left behind exactly what the state of the art of CRCA Wing Chun was at the moment I died. So whenever I croak, and I've already appointed my successor. Oh, so wow. whenever I, his name's Mario Lopez. He lives in Germany. He's awesome. a Spanish. He's Spanish by blood, like, like me, but, but he's, he's actually German by uh, nationality. Oh, I was thinking ring by the bell or saved by the bell. <laughs> Different, different, yeah. <laughs> different Mario Lopez. Oh God! <laughs> Coincidentally, I had he has to go there, brother. Jennifer Lopez. Go yeah. figure. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. But nice. anyway, yeah. Um, you know, so it is very important to me to pass the art down, and I've done. I've taken every possible precaution and pain to ensure that whenever I croak, that CRCA as it stands today will live on through through a very um, a very organized. Um, and detailed listing of of the requirements for every belt level, the applications for every move in every form, the science behind it, um, the, the the terminology, the name for every move in Chinese, and yeah. so on. Very so cool. Can, can I'm I doing that right now with my system, just trying to figure it all out in words, basically, so I can prepare to hand it off to somebody. Go and, ahead, and that's Bruce. that's what you've got to do because yeah. if you don't. It'll die with you. Mm-hmm. So, so can I ask, like, say Mario, for example, when he takes over in the future, it'll be up to him to continue to develop ideas, yeah? yeah? Yes, and it has to, because any martial art has to, has to progress. So, it's, L- so let's talk about what you said, said in 2012, then, shouldn't be taken as gospel in 2020. No, no, because, it, listen, the guys that created Wing Chun 400 years ago, they never saw... Russian Sambo. They never saw Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They never probably even saw Kyokushin Kai Karate. Uh-huh. Right. So they developed Gong, Wing Chun Gong Fu to be, you know, different styles of Chinese martial art that were in existence at that time. Let's let's talk about medicine as an, an analogy. Mm-hmm. If you say, you know, medicine, you take Louis Louis Pasteur, arguably one of the greatest doctors nice. of all time in his day. Pasteurization. If you brought him to the present day. The, the worst doctor you could find today is a better doctor than Louis Pasteur. Right. Because, because of the, the, the time that he lives and what he learned. You know, but the it, processes it, and ideas he came up with. It, well, yeah, thanks to him. 
And the same way martial arts, thanks to those ideas 400 years ago in Wing Chun, I can be who I am today. But the thing is that I'm a doctor of today. Would you want to go to a doctor from 400 years ago, a doctor of today, or a doctor from 50 years from now? Yeah, which for one your you pneumonia. If you had cancer. Okay, and, and, and the same thing with, with, with Wing Chun or any other martial art. It needs to move ahead you know, and progress as a science with time based upon new things. Louis Pasteur never heard of AIDS. It didn't exist. Right. Yeah. You know, you, and, and, and Yip Man never heard of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. It I'm glad didn't he exist. didn't, actually. <laughs> well, and you, so, you, new information it, and new challenges arise constantly. And any art that stops with a crystalline version of what one teacher did is a dead branch. Yeah. It has to keep it. Yeah, because I've had too much wine at this point, and I couldn't actually articulate that. Oh, no, no so, but you brought it in a <laughs> I wonderful say that every way. Yeah, you yeah. brought it in a very artistic, but way I haven't exactly heard before that is spot the fuck on. And forgive me, and I, I leaned away from my microphone for a minute, and I said to Dave, because Dave's a huge science guy, I'm more of the uh, poetic Taoist on the clouds kind of bullshit guy, <laughs> you know, but, but you know, kind of uh, grounded, too. But I, I leaned over and I said, Dave, this guy is oh. the perfect blend between us because the way you were just expressing these ideas of life. <laughs> shit. Dude, hey, why you hang up on me, man? <laughs> that wasn't us. You got a hurricane coming or something? For you guys? <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was a hurricane. You got blasted by Hurricane Hugo. Yeah, you gave me time to have another couple of blasts off my, my wine. Sweet. Excellent. <laughs> Well, look, we've had you on here for quite a while. I don't want to waste your whole damn evening just jawboning with us. But uh, I think, Bruce, did you have another question or two you wanted to get out before we wrap this well, up? I actually didn't finish Bruce's yeah. first question. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Pick it yeah, back up. He asked me about the, the competition aspect of, of I'm being attacked by my dogs. Yeah. He yeah. asked me about the competition aspect of it. And to expand on the yeah. competition aspect, uh, it's one thing to train a sport, and it's another thing to train a self-defense martial art, but... I think it's interesting to be able to use a self-defense martial art in a sport. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. And I think that Wing Chun, you know, could be used properly. As a matter of fact, Zoltan um, used or is using, I think, um, a couple things that we did that day. He loved my uh, saw defense against the choke. Yeah. Saw defense. That was a good yeah, one. I, There's a nerve yeah, I've under up, your I've come elbow. up with a defense against a rear naked choke. Ah. And, and it works really well. Does and it require think, you to carry a saw? Or to be naked? Well, you got one with you. It looks like this. See my hand? Right. Yeah. The, the, he's talking about the first knuckle on the thumb, almost like you're making a fist, but with the tip of the thumb tucked under the index finger. Oh, that looks sort like of, a Joe knuckle, though, sort of, down Yeah, below. sort of a backwards You wrapped up like this. You take your arm on the opposite side of his. You chin his arm for a fulcrum. Right. And you use your hand like my hand is shaped here. Right. You put your other hand underneath your hand like this here. Go bot may on it. <laughs> and you saw as you push down with your chin on that little stringy thing right here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can see okay, that. Okay, yeah. It hurts. And they let you right they let you go right away. <laughs> I usually just reach so, for their junk, but Yeah, and then and then you can also yeah, you can also twist. Yeah. No, that's cool. Now to go to go to, to answer Bruce's uh question about the competition. Yeah. Okay. Wing Chun, you know. It's, it's almost a cop-out, or certainly it's considered by many to be a cop-out to say, I'm not training for the ring. I'm training for self-defense in the street. And, and, and a lot of people think of that as a cop-out and saying, well, that's because you can't fight in the ring. 
But at the same time, there's a certain amount of validity to it. And I'm going to back that up with an argument. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that I'm against competition either, because I do have guys out there that do like to compete. Sure. There's certain things you can't do and you won't do. But let me tell you the difference, and not that you guys don't know, but for the audience, let let me tell you the difference between a street fight and an MMA fight. In a street fight, in an MMA fight, you may have as many as six weeks to know in advance that you're going to fight. So you're getting yourself mentally and physically and spiritually in shape for that fight. You probably know who you're going to fight. So you know what style he's from. You may even have access to fight films. Okay. In a street fight, you got no fucking clue when you're going to fight. It could happen to you walking to your car at six o'clock in the morning. Um, and, and you have no opportunity. You have no idea who the enemy is. It's a complete unknown. There's no weight classes. Now, you haven't stretched out before. You know? Yep. I was, I was going there. There's no weight classes. There's also no guarantee in the street that it'll be a single opponent. There's no guarantee that there'll be no weapon. There's no guarantee that there'll be a referee there to stop it. If you start to lose, you, you, you know, if you tap, it's not going to stop. There, you don't have your friends there going, yeah, try this, try that. You don't yeah, have yeah. <laughs> well, just you hang on to the bell. Hit the one in the middle. You don't, you don't have, you don't have Mick telling you to hit the guy in the middle when you Check see out three the ring guys. girl. Get the chicken rock. <laughs> so you don't, you don't have these, these, these same advantages in a street fight. You don't have an hour and a half backstage to warm up and have Steven Seagal teach you a deadly move. Come on, Rocky. You know, you don't know where that came from. (laughs) You don't have, you don't have, you know, uh, there's just so many different things that are different. You don't have terrain. You're not necessarily wearing the right clothes unless you got your Chuck Norris kicking jeans on. (laughs) (laughs) You don't necessarily have your Chuck Norris kicking jeans on. And and there's all these different things. So they're different and and you train differently. You know, are you trying to cut me? Are you making, are you guys doing like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to get him to hand me a damn beer and he's being a dick about it. Sorry. Are you guys, are you guys making, you're taking the piss out of me, aren't you? No, not a no. bit. It's okay. He was I, taking you know, the piss I, out of me. I, I merit that. I deserve that. But, no. So, so, you're I'm, my wife, Bruce Lee. I'm listening, Steve. I am listening. I'm listening too. Thank he you. was just—he uh, was begging for natural light, which he never does in any other section of his life. And I was—I'm having enjoying too much fun. It. I don't want to get up and get a good beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, anyways, right. well, no, I didn't take it personally. I kind of like it when people pick on me. Anyway, um, you know, so so competition now though is healthy, and and it, and it and I think that there's a place for Wing Chun in the ring. And and again, I don't want to sound like a lot of the other guys because a lot of guys will say, "Oh, well, the people that did Wing Chun out there and got their ass kicked weren't doing it right." You know what? That's true. It is true. But 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 the people that say it don't know don't necessarily know what is right. Um, and and I'm going to stick my neck out here and say I do know what's right. And and I do think that the right guy, athletic guy, young guy, I'm too fucking old to do it or I would. Um, but the right guy with the right athleticism and the right mindset could take Wing Chun out there and do a great job and, mm-hmm. and, and, and maybe take a championship at some point. And, you know, yeah. at, it, it, depending on who's the champ at the moment is, is the style that everybody thinks is, is awesome. Of course. You know, and, and so it, it's either Brazilian jiu-jitsu this week, or it's, you know, you name, you know, you name the guy when Machida was kicking everybody's ass, it was, you know, it was karate. Yeah. And then as soon as Machida loses, it's whoever kicks his ass. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, it's whoever is the champ at the moment because they all have that magic, that mojo going on at yeah. the moment. And, and, and But it's a very personal thing, too. 
Because no, but it's the, it's such a real thing that when the UFC happens, whatever style loses is obviously the most worst style on the planet and unworthy of anybody ever going to study. Obviously, well, no, I'm saying no, they're that not, sarcastic. They're not, they don't do that with their well, losers. Yeah, yeah. They do that with any style that doesn't compete in their format, though, I found. <laughs> well, in Chinese well, Kung Fu, is not made for a ring format. And again, we're generalizing very much here. We, we, we got people like Stephen Kemp. Kept for the come love on here stuff. in school is about MMA because of how combat. cool it is. We love sportive combat. It has its place. But just it it definitely takes if you're a traditionalist, especially like I'm I'm very much a traditionalist. But it I can figure out a way to make Northern Shaolin work for the ring, but it takes specialized training for several years of just focusing on those attributes in the ring type and, thing. And again, know? is that what you want to train for? Because exactly, is that not me. is not that your objective? Because if it is, by all means, if your objective is winning in the ring, you could do Wing Chun tailored for the ring. I, I've got a student named Derek Smith, um, a guy who um, who competes in, in you know small time MMA right at the moment, and, and he's not a, a real serious student of Wing Chun. But I did coach him, and I gave him some stuff that that's worked out real well for him. And I think if he studied more seriously with me, I could give him those aspects of Wing Chun that would help him in his career. Yeah. And and, and Derek, um, you know, he hits like a fucking mule. He kicks <laughs> like a mule. And and uh and the guy could go places. He's a little bit old, you know, and when I say old, he's in his thirties. But, yeah. but well, hey, that is old for the ring, though, it seems. It, it is, but it, it's possible. Now Zoltan's yeah. a guy who likes to compete. And Zoltan is, you know, he's relatively young. He's not, he's not um, super young, but he, he has according that competitive to Wikipedia. spirit. Yeah. You're not allowed you know, to tell how old a rock and roll guy is. It affects his next no, contract. And I wasn't about to. <laughs> and, and he isn't the age that, you know, that most people probably think he is. And I'm not saying w- which direction. But, Z- you know, Zoltan's a guy that likes to compete. And if he, you know, decides that he gets a, a bug up his ass and he wants to go compete in Wing Chun, I'll put him in there when he's ready. You know what I mean? And he'll probably kick somebody's ass. And and uh, it, it can – Wing Chun can be used in the ring. But but keep in mind that it wasn't developed for that purpose. You know, it's self-defense. And right. self-defense usually implies, you know, defending yourself against someone attacking you. It's a you surprise. Know, it's not planning. You don't know what's yeah. coming on. That's right. That's and self-defense doesn't just mean – you know, on a higher level. Self-defense doesn't just mean defending yourself against a guy who wants to kick your ass. Self-defense means defending yourself against old age, against injury, against disease. Exactly. Now, competing in the ring could could be perceived as counterproductive to your health because you could take a guy like, let's talk about, you know, Forrest Griffin. Love the guy, right? Mm -hmm. Love the guy. Yeah. Now, Forrest Griffin is kind of... You know, I, I don't want him to get mad at me if he hears this, but I, I want to say Forrest Griffin is kind of known for being able to take a beating and still yeah. keep on ticking, you know, like a Timex. Yeah. He, he, he's a guy that's known for being able to weather the storm and, and, and come through it and still whoop somebody's ass or lose in a dignified manner and everybody still loves him at the end of the fight. Yeah, my favorite yeah. example of that is Randall Tex Cobb. He was that guy okay, for so long. God. That's old <laughs> school, but I like it. I, they used to call me Randall Tex Snob. <laughs> now, 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 uh, Rand, Randall Tex, beautiful. Love that guy. Love him to death. Yeah. And, and again, you know, everybody loves him. At the end of the fight when he loses, n- nobody in the audience says that guy's a pussy. No. Or nobody in the audience has any, a bad word to say about him. Okay, and and Forrest Griffin is like the Randall Tex Cobb of today. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And, and, and now Forrest Griffin, lovely guy, 
and everything. Uh, you know, lovely dude. I'd love to meet him and, and hang with him and everything else. But I'm going to venture to say that when he's my age, which is really old, um, <laughs> when he gets to be my age, I'm going to venture to say that he's going to have a really hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Yeah. And he's going to have a lot of damage that um, that came as a direct result of his martial arts training and, and competition. Now, you know, if you never got in a fight in your whole life, or, or no, let, let, me, let me go back and say this, you know, you train in martial arts and you're training in martial arts to protect yourself in this theoretical fight that you may have in your life. Now, if you're really unfortunate, let's say you're going to have five fights in your whole life, a whole adult life, unless you work in the security field or you work in some risky area, yeah. you're probably, it's probably on the high side to estimate that you'll have five street fights in your life. I would venture to guess that in your audience, if you polled them and they told the truth, we should do that. Most of the mm-hmm. audience would have had less than five street fights in their life. Yeah, probably. Now, you know those five street fights, if they lasted a minute each, and which is a At long all. time for yeah, that's five minutes of your life. Arguably, a very important five minutes of your life. <laughs> yeah, but it could mean the difference between whether you get any more or not. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yes. Now, very very important, but five minutes of your life. Now you're going to spend. Three hours a day in the gym, five days a week, 15 hours a week, times that by um, 52, and that's how much a year, and times that by 10 years, you're going to spend that many hours preparing for those five minutes that may or may not even happen, right? So in that process, if in that process you're competing and you're sparring and you're taking, let's say, one punch a day from a guy (laughs) who knows how to punch – in the course of those 10 years, you've taken something like 32,000 punches in the head by somebody who knows how to <laughs> In the process of learning how not to get beaten up in these five minutes, potentially, in your life that you might be defending yourself against a guy, against a guy who may not even know how to punch. <laughs> you're not right. selling me and on so this whole thing. You're going to suck <laughs> punches in the head, and you're going to get the drain damage that comes with that. Right. You know, and, and end Have up. Have you suffered you know, drain after, damage? You know, the drain damage? Drain, drain damage is what I said. Yeah. But, you know, you can <laughs> we can and, do the dyslexia gonna, on that one. You're going to suffer that in preparation for these five minutes that may not even ever happen in your life. You got to weigh it at some point and say, hold on a minute. You know, is this really um, worth it? Am I, am I doing the right thing here? Yeah. So, so I went way around your question, Bruce. But I think that competition falls in there and it yeah. depends on, you know, how much, how important it is to you to get out there and prove or try. And I, and I have nothing against that whatsoever. You know, in and, and a jujitsu thing like what Zoltan does is beautiful because, you know, you're not going to sustain a whole bunch of damage, you know. Well, there's you know, less he, punching, but your joints take a beating, and those well, are bad well, too. My body's feeling pretty so, you know, beat up right now <laughs> from practice. Zoltan, yeah, but not Zoltan, the head stuff. Listen, Zoltan fucked up his wrist, um, you know, a few months back, yeah. and you know, and he told me like a, a few weeks ago, hey, these, you know, I'm supposed to compete. What do you think I should do? My wrist is still fucked. I told him, what are you doing? Don't be stupid. Don't. You know, exactly. Don't but, compete right now. Your million dollar like, job depends on it. And, and he acted like, well, thank you, oh wise one. I'm going to listen to you. But you know what? He already knew the right answer. <laughs> right. He was just looking for somebody to validate that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm not insulting Zoltan in any way. But he was looking for somebody 
that he thought, well, I kind of think Randy knows what he's talking about. So let me ask Randy, what do you think? And I told him, no, that would be stupid. What do you have to gain? You're going to get a championship. You're going to get a cup. And, but, but in the process, you could, you could break your rice bowl. That hand is what you use to make your, your, your records. <laughs> right. You know? Nice to hear him say yep. the same phrase we use. <laughs> you know? so, so what are you going to do? So I told him, you know, don't, you know, don't be stupid and, and hurt yourself. You know, for what? And so it, it all depends on what's important to you. Now, Zoltan said, this cup is something that I've been training for my entire fucking life. And it's the most important thing to me in the whole world. And I don't give a shit if I never make another record, Randy. This is important to me. Then I would say, let me come out. Let me tape you up. Right. Let me get here and let me, <laughs> let me help story, you win. Man. Okay? But so, so I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question, Bruce. Probably uh, not. You, you did somewhat. Because, uh, yeah, the... I, I think it's important for people to at least get outside of their system and and train with other people, if not compete. Taste the but, real um, world a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's a, for me. It helped me learn about what I what it is that I actually practice. You know, and, and I agree with you completely. And I encourage my students to do the same. And I also going back to that thing where I told you about trying to be the the, the guy that I wish that I, you know would be that I could have as my perfect teacher. Yeah. Um, I get out there and do that stuff. Almost like I go out and get my hands dirty so you can keep your hands clean. <laughs> I go out and try the stuff and make sure that that it works. And I've assur- assured myself that it's valid, and then I pass it to my guys. Now, yes, it's up to them to get out there and make sure that you know that they're checking me and that this stuff works for them. Mm-hmm. And it's very important. And, and competition in Wing Chun, though, is is a little bit more difficult than it is um, maybe for for jujitsu. Because when we're talking about Wing Chun, you're going, okay, well, I'm going to go up against you, and I could lose my teeth, right. and I could lose an eye, I could get smashed up, and I could break a rib, and I could break a knee. For what? And, I, and I'm in my 50s, and uh, I don't really want a broken knee, and I don't really mm-hmm. want um, a, a, a broken I – don't, I don't really want a broken head, you know? And I don't want any more drain damage than I already have. <laughs> so, you know – I, I really don't want to uh, compete too much, yeah. you know, with and not that I didn't in my youth, but but for me, I'm, I'm happy with 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 what I know and the training I do with my students. Yeah, yeah I'm well, done competition with or picking fights in the alley or being in a dangerous job. All that stuff is is good training, but it's also best to do that when you're young enough to heal up when you get busted. Yeah, and, and, and it is important. And, and, and it also it's a matter of choice. In, in my life, my livelihood in the security field and, and everything else and my wild travels and all the people that come to challenge me, you know, the opportunities arise where I don't even really have a choice in the matter. I compete in, in, in the forum of real life, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's some big, giant, six foot seven dude at, at, uh, at, a, at a celebrity party that I have to chuck out right. or whether it's some guy, you know, six foot four, uh, half my age and twice my size who shows up in Germany wanting to fight me, yeah. you know, and I'm not left with the choice in the matter. So in my particular case, because of who I am, whoever that is, I'm forced, you know, t- to compete in, in the form of real life, you know, real world and not even where there's a ref. Um, and so, y- you know, I've, I, I've satisfied myself in my own journey that my, what I do is effective. And each person, I guess, has to make that decision in his own life and say, you know, how important is it to me? And it should be very, mm-hmm. 
to, to, to ensure that I'm getting the right education and that what I'm learning works, um, if that's their intention. Because some people don't give a shit about fighting. They want spiritual enlightenment. They want fitness. <laughs> they, want, yeah. they want to look, look stylish. Yeah. And, and, and that's their prerogative. Yeah. But martial arts, Mars, the god of war, okay? Martial means warlike. And the art of martial art is the art of war, a la Sun Tzu. Yeah. So if you want to say um, martial art, I'm a martial artist and I'm a warrior. And that's what that means. And so don't lose sight of the fact. Right. And, and, and so competition is what whatever you view it to be. And if you need to compete, if you need to go in and do the, the, the world championships in Vegas, or if, if your competition is um, in the street, when it becomes necessary, however you, you know, whatever your yardstick is, then that's a personal decision that you have to make as far as how important is it to you to ensure yourself that what you're doing is real. And that goes back to the point I was making earlier, that you have to make a decision. Which one are you going to train for? Because they're different. Yeah. And, and not to say one's better than the other, but it's your pr- you know priority in life. There's are you a, training yeah. for a street fight? Or are you training for a ring fight? Because it's different. Yeah, and there's ups and downsides to both kinds of training. So, well, you know, we'll never get to the bottom of that one in one hour. Uh, <laughs> maybe two, not maybe one. Two. For two hours. Are you sick of me uh, yet? No, no. <laughs> well, actually, the boss just poked her head in and told me I was running out of tape. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm I, saying I, there. I, I do have a tendency to talk too much. You well, know, dude, we'll have you on any time to talk to us again. We have kind of half the stuff, friend. yeah, that we would like to talk to you about. And you're our kind of guy. You're uh, definitely coming back. I love the hell out of you, Randy. You were my hero, but now you're my friend. And I'm I'm saying this, and I'm making it true. Craig's got like a little it. tear in the corner of his eye. You can't probably see it on Skype, but he really is choked up. No, yes. I like you, man. Yeah. Cool uh, thank you, Steve. I appreciate, appreciate that. And you guys have been really good to me, too, and I appreciate you guys um, – even bothering me because you know, a lot of people oh, probably don't know who the fuck I am anymore. Well, now <laughs> you're, you're going to get that huge high uh, bump now, so be prepared. I'm a, I'm a dinosaur, you know, yeah, and uh, so, you know I, I had my time and, and everything, but this is your really time, time is still now, my friend. I have a Shut up. Not martial, uh, unmartial art related question before we leave this place. Yeah. Um, so you live on a farm. This is correct, yeah. In, in yes, rural Pennsylvania, in beautiful nature. Do you have? Do you raise animals of some sort? Horses. I heard you. Yeah, heard horses. You raise horses. Now, did right? you kill that zebra that's on the wall behind you? No, but I killed the lion that's on the wall in the next room. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, you'll have so, to give us the tour next time. So, you, how many horses do you have, or what do you what do you do with the horses? Are you- I've got six. I've got uh, two standard breds, two Arabians, a paint, and a quarter horse. Nice. You, so- you, you enjoy riding? I, yeah, I just ride them. Hey, you know, my girls, my step uh, stepdaughters. My goddaughters were here today. I've got a bunch of goddaughters, uh-huh. and I've got some company here from Mexico, and um, and the, all the girls were here today, and I've got a girl that's almost like a daughter to me that she's been riding horses here since she was little, mm-hmm. and oh, they all cool. converged. They all converged today, and I had a house full of women, and what they do, they wanted to ride the horses. You know, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it's fun because the girls all go ride the horses, and the boys, we all go hit the bags, and you know choke each other senseless and stuff. So I'm sure you're really upset about being this uh, big, tough martial arts guy and having a bunch of beautiful ladies in your house. It's got to be horrible. Yeah, it's, it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was a zookeeper, a vet tech, and an animal control officer for a long time, so we could go off on a whole new tangent about animals. Animals, yeah, I love animals. They, I, I really do love animals a lot. And uh, my dogs, I've got, you know, here I've got one of them sleeping – 
There next to go. me on the couch. <laughs> one sleeping. You know, so they're all over the place. I've got, uh, I've got the uh, Great Dane. Um, I've got a, a white Saint Bernard with a black mask that I call the Pan Coon because he's kind of a cross between. <laughs> yeah. And we've got, you know, I've got a Labrador and I've got the six horses and so. Yeah, I'm kind of on a farm. You're and, a nature and, fella. You, you know, I was telling you guys that, that I call my students barn members, that my lifetime students. I have a, right. like a membership, and when you become a, a lifetime student, you, you're what we call a barn member. And we've got the barn members from all over the world, and they come here. I have one from Mexico here now. Um, they live in a little – I have a quarters here at my house for the barn members to stay in. Come the on. barn members are guys that, that are, are lifetime students of CRCA and me, uh-huh. and, and I take a, a lot of pains to teach them right. These are the guys that are going to carry the torch for me when I croak. And um, we're called barn members, or they're called barn members because my school is, you know, like I, like Bruce said, I live in rural Pennsylvania, and I've, I've got this, you know, big farm, and I've got a, Westchester? a big farm. Excuse me? Westchester? I, I, I stayed in Exton, Pennsylvania, for a little while. No, no, no. I'm up in northeastern Pennsylvania. Oh, we're okay. close to Scranton. Scranton. Gotcha. And, but I'm way up in the – I live on a dirt road. And, uh, uh, you know, the guys come here and train in this structure, which downstairs is where the horses live. And up, it, it's a barn. Okay. And upstairs is a gym. So there's a weight room. There's a, a cage, you know. Um, and then there's a, a floor area with wooden dummies, speed bags, speed balls, you know, and every, every type of training equipment you could imagine that you would need, you know, iron rings and all kinds of stuff. Awesome. And uh, so that's what we call That's the barn. And that's why my students are called barn members. I look forward to visiting. You, you yeah, extended an invitation to, to Zoltan and myself. And hey, you know, it's, we've, it, we've it'd be cool about, if you could come. Yeah. You know, Zoltan's been threatening to show up here, and I think he will pretty soon. So why don't you come out with him? Yep. We've been talking about it. So. You just got All right, you bastards with your jet set and lifestyles. Yeah, they can no be joke. jealous over here. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm well, living in the country, but not like you, brother. <laughs> you guys should come out here and, and interview him at the time because I think Zoltan would be a much more interesting interview than me. <laughs> oh, please. You know, we'll try You're that great. too. We, well, we'll we need to it. take this podcast on the road one day. That's for sure. I, there's a lot of oh, places we've been we've talking already, about it. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah. Um, and, and you can either bring, you know, bring your stuff here when they're here. Or, or I, I suggest you, you know, ask him if he's willing, and I think he would because he loves martial arts. There's a dude, he, you, know, you want to talk about a, an Einstein or a Renaissance man. Here's a guy who, who designs, you know, airplane equipment, you know, um, plays gold record quality guitar. Yeah. You know, he, I think he, you know, if I'm not mistaken, he showed up in this country from Hungary with a guitar on his back and no money. Yep. You know, and now look at him. Yeah. So if you're going to interview somebody, you know, don't waste your time on me. You know, you should give him a call. And uh, if, if he's if he's got the time for you, and I have a feeling he, he probably would because he loves martial arts. Oh, he, he's got all oh, kinds he's of Oh, he's on the list for sure. We'd love friend. to do it, but don't be so humble there, Seif. You're, you're, you've been a big name to us and, and the martial you're arts personal literally since we were, you know, hey, I don't want to say kids, but Atlanta? we were young, man. Where were you guys when I lived in Atlanta? What were you doing in Atlanta? Are you serious? I'm born and bred here, brother. I lived in Atlanta for two freaking years. Didn't when? have a friend in the world. When? When? 19, I'm going to say 99 to 01. Okay, you had a problem then. You needed to get Yeah, I was in me, Athens that whole time. You, you should have been in Athens. It's way more fun yeah. than Atlanta. I, was on I, I didn't have a friend in the world. <laughs> we'll come back. We'll treat you right. Now, before we I'll let you go. Security job. Before we let you go, throw out your 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 internet digits or whatever. Yeah, you Yeah, give want us your contact to, information. Yeah. You know, we got to make sure we don't forget that. Well, if anybody wants to write to me, you know, to my email, my email is 
CRCAWC, which stands for Close Range Combat Academy Wing Chun. So CRCAWC at CS.com, which stands for CompuServe. Okay. And um, so CRCAWC at CS.com or Yahoo.com. I have the same address on both. Excellent. And they can, and, they can uh, look you up on your website. Yeah. What's yeah, your so, website address? Yeah, there's a whole bunch whatnot. of them. Uh, well, we got a bunch of them. I think the, the easiest one. one is CRCAWingChun.com. All right. But now, do you, you spell Wing Chun like a WC or are you the V, whatever? No, I, mean, no, I, I don't know. There's do a lot that. of weird stuff. W I N G C H U N. Okay, cool. And um, you can find me on Facebook too because I've got my Facebook page and there's a bunch of Wing there's a bunch of CRCA pages. I don't even know what they all are. <laughs> I know we got CRCA Romania, Italy. There's one from Spain. There's one from Germany. No, 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 no. Facebook sucks, dude. Go to MySpace. <laughs> that was the sound of Craig's head. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, whatever. There's there's a whole there's a whole bunch of uh, CRCA pages, but probably the, the the best safest one would be go to crcawingchun.com because there's probably you know I don't know there's probably links. Well, that, that you know you can find me easy enough. Um, I mean I've yeah. been accused of going into hiding, but. You know, I live in a very remote place, but I'm very accessible, cool. and uh, I'm always I'm always doing seminars all over the place. And none of these people that claim to not be able to find me have ever showed up. So I'll be I'll be in London next week, and I'll be in Paris the week after, and then I'll be in Portugal, and then I'll be who knows Germany. Well, quit your uh, jet setting and come to Atlanta sometime, man. We got to get together. Well, I fly I fly through Atlanta a lot. I was probably in Atlanta three days ago, but. Um, we'll meet you, know, you at the airport bar and we'll just smash a couple real well, fast. Yeah, you know, I'll let you know. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to let, let Bruce know. And, you know, hey, I'm, I'm pretty open. You guys, if you know anybody that wants a seminar, you know, I do seminars. I'll go do a Wing Chun seminar, you know. You know Bring what? me in for the day. We'll we will do get a back to you on that. We'll get all hammered up. That sounds good. Hey, all right. See, well, well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's been awesome talking to you, and hopefully we can do this again soon because I think we could go on all night. I have a tendency to talk too much anyway. That's okay. We listen too much, so, you know, it works out. All right. So um, rock out with your pock out. <laughs> Shall do. did i tell you (laughs) i tried to warn you but you didn't listen why didn't you listen okay (laughs) as you can tell i'm having a lot of fun with the halloween thing uh, and uh 
please excuse my goofiness. I'm not used to doing these things by myself. But uh, that was a blast. Thanks, Seif, Der Seif, Mr. Randy Williams, for coming on. Uh, rarely have we had so much fun or alcohol during an interview. <laughs> I'm not saying it's never happened, <laughs> nor that it won't happen again. Um, but that was a blast, and what a great time talking to you. Uh, also, I wanted to mention our next show coming up, where I'll be past all this Halloween madness, is an interview with uh, author Matthew Polly, uh, award-winning author in his own right, but the things you martial arts heads probably know him for are his books American Shaolin and Tapped Out. Really looking forward to talking to him, too. So in the meantime, just uh, keep up with us on our Facebook page. Hit us with any questions or comments at mailbag at hiya2aspodcast.com. Or if you have a moment and want to really make us happy, go to iTunes and rate and review the podcast. Okay, that's all I've got for you. But before we leave, on behalf of all my co-hosts, dead living or not here, I want to give you a hearty hi